Self-Discovery Radio. The discovery of self is but a show away. With over 1,800 shows and growing, we bring you those liberating stories that help you on your own life's journey from every single topic you can think of. The only common denominator is authenticity and being in your meaningful purpose. Come and read our new e-book, plus see our discovery store and what wonderful tools we have for you. Do enjoy our shows and don't forget to share. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I'm your host Sarah Troy and my guest today is Dolphin Casper and we're going to be talking about evolving now. What does that mean? What is evolution? A lot of people think that we just are on a linear path, uh, only with blinkers on, walking one foot in front of the other, and uh, this is all that is in life, which is so far from the truth. We are here to evolve, to grow, to expand our consciousness, to embrace our hearts, to step into love and kindness, and in a world at the present moment that is so much turmoil, conflict, hate and discord out there, how do we find that equilibrium and step into into that consciousness, into that beautiful life that we can have should we choose to embrace it? Dolphin has been working at this for quite some time and he actually has a very unique relationship where he works with his mother on Evolve now. Um, he's learned from her, from the path that she took. It helped him evolve into the person that he is today. And now he's out there helping people find their authenticity, their clarity, um, stepping into their own lives in that positivity and an embracement of all that life can be. So let's take the journey with him and, and find out not only how he did it, but what he's doing there today to help you find your path and evolve into being that beautiful divine being that you are meant to be. Welcome to the show, Dolphin. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be here. So Evolve Now, um, a wonderful title, a wonderful name, and we are evolving as a species. We need to evolve as a species. And a lot of this discord and turmoil that we're seeing out there is kind of a shake-up, isn't it? An invitation for humanity to, to rise up and step into um, a different consciousness, a different way of living and a different way of treating each other. Mm-hmm. For sure. And a while ago I had this realization. It's almost like life knows where it's going. I had this real sense that on Earth there's been since life began here, there's been a consistent evolution of complexity, of coherence, of intelligence, and, and we are in a, a, a time of, of turmoil, a time of upheaval, but as examples in nature like the caterpillar, we know that, that sometimes what appears to be the end is, is a beautiful new beginning, and at least the opportunity for that is there. Now, because of the kind of power and intelligence that we re- wield as human beings, I'm not certain we're going to make it. Like, uh, I would love to be super uh, positive and altruistic. It's unclear to me uh, exactly what will happen with humanity, but the opportunity is there for sure. I'm I'm a lot more optimistic. I actually believe that we are changing. I think there's an uh, an undercurrent going on at the present moment, uh, a sh- you know, a shift in the wind, a shift in the current, a shift in the very consciousness. And um, but I don't think it's. Um, it's reached CNN yet, which is good. Um, it, it's an invitation that's been put out by the kind of the cosmic energy to to evolve and step in. And I think we can make it. Again, it all comes down to choice, though, doesn't it? What we choose sure. to feed. Yeah, can for sure. Whether we will, you know, the the, the individual choice, which which the the global unfolding is really an aggregate of individual choice. Um, that that's it's 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 alive. It's happening in the moment, and and there is a quality of of autonomy that that makes it so complex. Uh, I've been learning a little bit about complex systems theory, and and how all of these little tiny contributions to the whole make massive differences yeah. over time. And so that's for me where I sit is is seeing all of the possibility and potential that's there and a recognition of the, the level of complexity that to, to say with certainty how it will unfold, I think is, um, at least from where I sit, is just not, 
not realistic. The thing is, I think if we're looking at certainty, um, I think we become a little complacent. We pass the buck to other people. Uh, you know, uh, we need to eat every day. We need to fortify every day. We need to sleep every day. We need to be in action every day. Well, that should be also, you know, with our, our conscious thought, uh, our conscious actions as well. Um, because this day is only going to be as good as we seeded yesterday and as we, you know, reap today. So it is always a being in action, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, we're we're kind of outsourcing responsibility mm-hmm. in the present moment for our ideas or beliefs about the past or the future, which th- those never bear fruit. We we only bear fruit from the investment of the present, as you said. And the investment in self. I think this is something that people are beginning to realize. You know, uh, our upbringing thus far has always been handed over to someone else. You know, our parents, our teachers, um, our religious leaders, our politicians. And we weren't invited to have thought, uh, to have opinions, to have feelings or to take action. And this is literally the call out right now, isn't it? Step into your own authenticity by taking ownership of your own choices and responsibility for your own actions because you are a part of the equation that's going to be part of the solution or not. Absolutely. And, and the, the thing that I notice in that, because of the, the kind of cultural context within which um, the, the current reality is moving from, oftentimes we, we move like a pendulum. So we, we mm. come out of something that maybe have been more oppressive, more limited, more, um, more kind of... Uh, kind of dictating how we're meant to be in the world. And, and then we, we push back on that with a sense of autonomy and freedom. But, but if that autonomy and freedom has the quality of self-centeredness in it, then, then it's misplaced as well. And it's about coming back to balance. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this realization a little while ago about how we move in relationship. It often starts with me, my. So it's like, you know, this, this need for us to put ourselves first. And then, and then as we wake up to the, the relevance and importance of including the other, then it becomes you. But if I swing too far and I'm only taking care of the other and not myself, I'm mm. in trouble. Yes. And then there's the us, where I really learn how to balance the, the, the needs and requirements of me and the other in relationship. But there's a deeper level that we can go, which is the all. So, so not just you and me relationally, but there's, there's a deeper context that we come from as human beings and that we exist within. And so when we start to wake up to more and more um, clarity about what we're really here for, that all starts to make itself known. It's, it's resonance of, of being in rhythm with, with the all actually is available to us as we evolve as human beings. So again, sort of like me, mine, you, yours, us, ours, and then from there starting to include even a bigger context within which we make our choices from. Mm-hmm. I always call it, you know, about place importance upon yourself because if you're not fortified, if you're not abundant, your cup can't run off over, therefore it can't serve anyone. You can't serve from depletion. But there is a very big difference b- between uh, the importance of self and self-importance. Mm. And, you know, I think mm. we're, we're, we have certain, you know, um, humanity at the present moment where it's, it's stuck in the self-importance. You know, me, my, what about me? What do I gain from it? Me, me, me. But when yeah. we do step into that, um, the importance of self to be all I can be so that I can serve humanity it's a totally different vibration altogether isn't it it, it is and, and what I notice I've worked with a lot of, um, sort of people that come from fairly disadvantaged challenging backgrounds uh, working with homeless youth right now and what I notice is there's a lot of apathy that can exist mm. and, and I think it, it really lies at the root of, of when human beings are making decisions that don't include others or the whole is they don't see they're not connected to the meaning that that holds yes meaning of being a part of and contributing to something beyond themselves doesn't resonate it doesn't it's not it's not a a kind of a lived reality that they can see the value of that and that's the shift that needs to take place is for us to first for ourselves come into connection with the meaning of our lives and that it's actually that when, when I am deeply connected to the meaning of my life and that's where I'm coming from in how I move, how I live, how I relate, the work I do, even before I say anything, there's, there's a, a resonance or there's a quality of being that others can actually receive. Yes. It's like nothing inspires others like an inspired person. 
I always say inspiration is invitation. Um, yeah. You know, when you inspire somebody, you're inviting them to, to step up into that same vibration or to take that journey. And I think, you know, kind of the best inspiration are those that do come from some form of turmoil. Uh, I don't think anybody gets through life without having to face pain, having to face struggle and challenges. It's how we choose to face it. Are we going to let it defeat us? I think apathy is one of those things that's a bigger danger than anger. Anger is still emotion you can turn to love. Apathy is like everything's been switched off. And you're, you're trying to find that trigger that's going to switch them back on and have them connected, not only to self, but to life and be willing to take that journey forward. And sometimes knowing that it's going to be painful, but I kind of contribute that to being pregnant being in labor and then birthing yourself. You know, there mm-hmm. is that initial pain, but you know, when you're holding yourself as this newborn in life with all those possibilities in front of you, it's all worth it. Yeah, and, and life is really built to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't always feel that way. Yeah, it, it is, it is. And again, I think it's, it's a, a lot of it is, is how we look at life. You know, we, we're inclined to look in life feeling that we're not enough, um, that we don't have enough, and uh, that we will never be satisfied. Where if we step into life of being gratitude of what we have, who we are, and what our options are, I think we see life in a totally different way. Mm. So how do you get people into that state of being? How do you get them from apathy into some form of spark going on, some form of willingness to step into action? Yeah, such such a valuable, important question. The first step is really what we just talked about, which is having it yourself. If, if you don't really have it, then the best you are really doing is kind of sharing good ideas. Mm-hmm. And good ideas that are not embodied don't really get forwarded. They, they, they don't, the transmission of that in, in interpersonal has no life in it, really. Yeah. So good ideas are not enough. Good ideas aren't going to really get us there. Um, but if we really have it, if we own it, if we live it, if we embody it, then without doing anything else, we're already planting those seeds in others. So that's kind of the first, the foundation that I would say needs to be there. And then there's all sorts of things that we can do on a more practical level that really work. So some of them are that if I'm going to invite someone that is, is in a state of disempowerment or apathy and, and have them move in the direction of something that is more empowered, they need to connect to the meaning of that. They need to connect to the, what the value is there. And, and so there's likely already things that I can tap into. And that's why the work that I do, and I think anyone who's doing real transformational work with others, mostly what we're doing is listening. Mm-hmm. We're actually sensitively listening to this other and finding out where are they at, where does meaning in their life make sense. And so one of the examples that, that might seem strange to some is if I'm working with someone who, who is in a position of, of being homeless, uh, maybe there's uh, mental health issues, maybe there's dr- drug addiction, and I'm trying to get them to show up to an appointment for, to see a mental health professional or to look at housing or whatever it is, and they don't show up. Now, there may be an assumption that's made, is like, well, they're not able to, um, they don't give a care about mm-hmm. you know, getting their life together, like all these assumptions we might make. But uh, if, if something that is of value to them and, and maybe it, the drugs are an example that I can use. And again, it might seem uh, counterintuitive to some, but if, if they want to get high and they know that they need to show up at a certain place at 10 a.m. to get their fix, guess what? Yeah, They're they'll gonna be, be there. <laughs> They're going to be there. So, so it's, it's, it's this distinction between can and willing. Yeah. You know, like ability. There is, there is the dimension of ability where some, something is, is there and they, someone's just not able to do it. That's, that's, that's a reality. But a lot of the issue, a lot of the challenges that we face in terms of growth and transformation, it's not an ability issue. It's a willingness issue. And, and so the, the thing about the drug is that there's a payoff there that they, mm-hmm. that's tangible, that, that holds meaning for this person. The, the showing up to the mental health appointment or showing up to the, the housing appointment doesn't hold that same kind of meaning the value of that is not, it's not coherent for them. They can't quite make sense of it. So then our job is about how do I use what they're already, uh, what they already see as meaningful, that already motivates them. And how do I, without any judgment of it, without making it wrong in any way, 
how do I begin to illuminate that that, the thing that motivates them, the thing that they have energy for in that is actually available to them in other d- directions, yeah. in other dimensions of their life. A and, different and type of fix. Yeah, and, and that's, not a, that's not something that's going to come through in a single conversation. No. It's more like through our relationship with one another, through their sense that I'm, I'm trustworthy, that I really genuinely care about them, that in them I see value, and then that over the course of time in our interactions, they get that there's a truth there in that, like that I really do see value in them, that I really do know what they're capable of. Now the conversations we have start to hold that sense of trust and belonging, much of which people in these situations often didn't have when they were young. Now they're getting that, and a new perspective starts to open up in them. Not that I've like, said the right words and now they get it. It's like in their relationship with me, they start to find meaning that they can then use or sort of transfer to a different way of looking at their lives, their choices. And the recognition that change is going to be uncomfortable. There is just no way around that. And so if the meaning doesn't hold enough for them to begin moving in the direction of discomfort, then the real change that's needed won't happen. That's that's why that relationship with the meaning of our choices has to be there. Otherwise, we won't make those new choices. We're all looking for a meaningful purpose in life, aren't we? You know, something that we can say, this is what we stand for, this is who we are, this is what we're here to do. Um, But you know, our upbringing thus far, I and mean, a lot of people that you do find, you know, on the street or, or you know, out there in, in kind of no man's land are people that haven't been listened to. They haven't been given a choice. Nobody's asked them, what do you want out of life? You know, uh, what, what is your passion? What, what gets you through the day other than, you know, the drugs? Maybe it's music, maybe it's poetry, maybe it's art, maybe it's something else. But, we became very much a society where we dictated to and we didn't invite conversation. And I think a lot of where we're going right now is simply engaging the conversation and inviting people to take that self-discovery through that conversation and actually discover for themselves, yeah, I really do like this. I really do like that. I really would like to be there. And unless we invite them to take that journey, they're never going to discover that for themselves. Yeah, yeah, bang on. So it's it's a hard one to help people, you know, who are kind of stuck in a path, you know, pain and injury, um, you know, turmoil, trauma, you know, they're all extremely real. Post-traumatic stress isn't just for veterans, it's for people who've gone through turmoil in life. And, uh, you know, it's how to handle it. And of course, many of the time, the, the drugs and, and everything else is an escape from it. So a lot of the time, we need to help people, no matter what their journey is, on how to handle you know that pain that stress and turn it into something um as a healing modality and you did a nice little video on that which is here on the posting of Mm. of how to heal oneself so can you can you share that a little bit yeah i i love looking for connections things that resonate or things that that hold parallel in different dimensions of life and so the example that i was using was about um you know how a river it moves, like the water moves by knowing, like the, the physics, the, mm-hmm. the gravity and the ge- ge- geography all kind of inform how the water moves through it. And, and in our human systems, it's very similar. It's like when something throws us out of homeostasis, our bodies are built to respond incredibly intelligently to those, those sort of threats or insults to homeostasis. And that's on the physical level it's very easy to see there's very obvious pathology to how the body reacts to say uh, uh, like a, a cut mm-hmm. and and what i was suggesting is that on the emotional psychological level the same intelligence is there and the same principles apply although it's not as tangible we're not able to measure it quite as clearly and and that the human system on the emotional psychological level is built to heal it's, it's an integrative mechanism, the human nervous system. And, and what I mean by that is that it's actually being thrown out of steady state that is where the evolution is enabled. That if, as a human being, I never experience pressure or pain or trauma, I don't develop in the way that I'm able to if yeah. I do. Yeah. 
And, and so then the question becomes, if I'm not clear about where I come from, how am I going, or not where I come from, but what I'm here for, how am I going to take advantage of, of those moments where I do experience trauma or I am pushed out of that kind of emotional steady state? I will learn to avoid them. Mm-hmm. I will learn to identify those pains and discomforts as wrong or bad, and I will create mechanisms and, and strategies and behaviors against them. To me, at the root, and this is provocative for some, but for me it's just a no-brainer, is like addiction and mental health are all simply solutions that we've created in a very complex way to pain and discomfort, mostly out of a, a context of living that is, is trying to minimize pain and discomfort. Yeah. And that when we shift out of that, when we are all of a sudden able to just be with life as it is, we open up this natural way in which our psychological emotional system is meant to move and function and healing begins to happen. Now, I'm not suggesting there's no value in practices, modalities, healing methods. We can include all of those things. But if we don't shift the fundamental perspective in relationship to pain and trauma, then all we'll really be doing is creating a larger, more comfortable box to live in. And that's not what we're here for. Yeah, we're not here to be boxed at all. We have to realize there aren't any boxes, there aren't any walls. You know, um, the the wind runs freely, the oxygen in our body, in our blood, um, and the energy is meant to run freely. And that's why the Chinese, you know, call it qi. And, you know, the simple thing like acupuncture is simply releasing the qi, the energy through your body. And it's the same thing with with our, our, our mental emotions, isn't it? It's letting them be free. Go through the pain to release the pain. Um, just don't feed the pain. You know, it's recognizing it's there, acknowledging its purpose, and then allowing it to flow on. And again, a lot comes down to what we, what we choose to feed, isn't it? It's, it's so central. You know, it's funny, I, my, um, the banner image on my Facebook account right now is, it's a Rumi quote, and it's, the cure for pain is in the pain. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems counterintuitive, but we actually have examples in the world that are exactly that, which is like uh, uh, snake venom, which is actually used to create the antidote for that venom. So there's actually physical examples of how that really does work. It's like something in what hurts us or could mm-hmm. kill us is what inoculates us against it. Right. And, and that's like the intelligence of what we are if we create a context for our human system that's willing to have what it has. We've made an enemy of the present moment when it's not preferred or comfortable for us. And, and it, it throws our system off. It creates uh, false barriers and thresholds in how our system moves and functions in a way that, that debilitates its natural capacities. Yeah. I mean, you know, things like emotion and stress, and we're seeing more people today with depression and anxiety, I think, than ever before. Um, you know, before... In the past, you would have, you know, villages of people there for one another, supporting one another. And we, we seem to have gone very isolated, isolate ourselves. And that's one of the worst things you can do, isn't it? You know, when you've got the pain, it's not about you going and imposing your pain on others, but it is about allowing others to be part of your healing. Um, and it, it's a fine line, you know, and it, I think it's a little art to it, but it's uh, pain can become your friend. Because I think it's a guidance system as to how much, how to push yourself, when to pull back, um, and understand if you're in pain right now, what is the pain really about? It's manifesting physically, but is it coming from something emotionally? Is it a redirect? Is it something that's trying to tell you something? And I think you know we're so busy trying to get rid of it that sometimes we don't understand what it's trying to say to us. Absolutely. And the other beautiful thing about pain when you start to get to know it better and and just how the human nervous system works is the deeper the pain goes, the more meaningful the opportunity for growth and integration is. Yes. In other words, like to open as a human being when everything is warm and cozy and comfortable, that's lovely. It's lovely to open when everything is really sweet and, and, and easy but it doesn't do the same thing in our nervous system. We're not integrating into the same depth and to mm-hmm. the same breadth than when we are in the midst of extreme pain and difficulty and we choose to open. And so that's just a recognition that in a, in a real way, not to try to make it all warm and fuzzy, but in a real way, we need the pain. 
Yeah. The pain is a part of the intelligence of, of the system to integrate. And, and, and without it, our full potential is not available to us. I think it's also part of our grounding. I'm a very cosmic being. I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't have the pain to ground me. <laughs> I'd be out there traveling all the time. Um, it, it makes real what's real yes. in a way that isn't possible without, without the experience. Right. Sure. Now, you know, uh, I love the fact that you're working with your mother and, and also in one of your YouTubes you talk about, you know, how your mother's journey um, resonated uh, you know, from her that has led you on your own journey, which, you know, you uh, had a few years apart where you went on your own journey, you made your own self-discovery and then coming back to work together. Um, it, it's, you know, very unique to actually see mother and father work, to, uh, mother and son work together and things like this. Um, but to fact, also the fact that you recognize the journey that she's taken and, and A, honor it and B, C, the the depth and the growth there and uh, you know that synergy how did that actually come about yeah you know it's interesting I, I, we have a special relationship and and that's been clear to me for as long as i have memory uh and of course beyond that uh so we've always been very close and and i've always seen myself in her and so that was just the foundation was was a kind of connection and unconditional love and and some kind of deep kinship and understanding of one another on, on, on all of the levels that are possible. And, you know, in a way, my, my late childhood and early adolescence were me just doing the, the, the regular teenager mainstream thing. I got just uh, social inclusion and, and, and popularity felt really important to me. And in a way, I kind of departed mm-hmm. from, from the relationship that we had on certain levels. But, you know, in a funny way, I knew what I was doing. I actually, when I was 12 years old, when I was 12 years old, I went to my mom and I said, "Hey, mom, I just want to let you know that for the next little while, I'm I'm going to be cool, and uh, I want you to just know that I still love you." Right. So, like as a 12 year old, I had this, yeah. I had this understanding of what was going on, and she was really, without forcing anything on me, she was the invitation. Mm-hmm. For me to get clear about how important my opportunity is to be human, to be here in form on this planet, and a hunger to deeply discover what that really is, and not only to discover what it is, but to follow through on what I discover. Like She, she did that in her life. It was clear to me from a very early age, and that was just in me. I just knew I wanted to... to know, to understand, to embody, and to fulfill what I'm here for. Right. So even though she moved away from, from where I was living when I was about 19, the, the 12 years that we were living in different cities, I was on my journey. Yeah. I, I, I was reaching and learning and growing, and, and when we came back together after all of that time, it, it was clear that a new level of, of growth and, and journey together was, was available and it was it was just an automatic yes for both of us when we sat down i had been learning how to facilitate and speak and lead groups in all sorts of different contexts and she had done this amazing transpersonal development work with people around communication and relationships for 20 years while i was growing up and and in a way had laid it down while we were separate right when we came together it was like let's create something together partly because the world is in need. Like there, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things happening and, and a lot of work being done and, and much of it misses the mark in terms of getting to the root of where what we would call issues or problems are coming from. And I knew that the work that she had created really addressed that root. And so the last five plus years has been us really deepening and opening up our relationship and also an opportunity for me to learn a way of working with people that fundamentally addresses the, the separation and the misconceptions that get created that, that lie at the root of all of, all of our, our kind of self-created difficulties and our self-created dramas.
the thing is, it's recognizing that, you know, my children are three and they're all adults, young adults, so, you know, um, 28 to 34. And, uh, you know, um, each one of them, I can stand very, you know, very proud and who they've become in their journey. But, you know, I, as a mother, I had to step back at the teenage years and, and watch their, you know, their old head spiral and, uh, and make mistakes. But if I always brought them up to know your boundaries and if you're willing to step over those boundaries be willing to pay the consequences and mm. of course as kids they would always push you know discover where their boundaries is and sometimes they fell over them and paid the consequence you know as a mother I can come along box them on the ear kiss them and say okay help you back up mm. um, and you know I remember my son recently you know a lovely heart to heart with him you know him admitting to me at one point I had a choice to go down the wrong path but I saw your face and I heard your conscience, and I know I, you pulled me back. And, you know, as a parent, when you see your kids go off and do these things and explore life and sometimes, you know, really push the limits, you know, as a parent, we want to go, no, <laughs> and pull them back. But it is part of your journey. It is part of your discovery. And all we can do as your custodians, as your nurturers, is give you the tools when you're growing up and that love, um, that unconditional love, which doesn't mean at the same time you won't have something to say if they make some choices that you don't like. Um, and to, to hope that whenever they get to that period in their life of, of a particular choice, that that conscious, that love sets them on the right path you know, to make their own choice. It's very hard for a parent to do. Um, and sometimes parents just go, what did I do wrong? And sometimes we do just literally have to let our kids fly uh, and do that self-discovery, but always be there for them, right? Always have that mm. door open for them without judgment. At the same time with a, with a boundary of you're not going to use me, but I'm here for you when you've risen up to match me. Yeah, You know, it's such a a beautiful, sensitive, vital aspect of, of the development of humanity, this, this parenting mm -hmm. world, the world of parenting, the, the dimensions of parenting. And what's become clear, some of the work I've done has been uh, centered around uh, attachment theory. So just learning how the nervous system develops in, in utero and in the early months and years of life. And there's this thing that they talk about where at the very beginning, the parent is the external modem for the child to develop properly, that, that without the, the loving caregiver, the baby will not develop properly, right. just the way we're built. And then there's a period of time that they call, it's co-regulation. So first, the parent is regulating for the child and being that external modem. Then there's a shared navigation and regulation of the child's internal and external world. And at a certain point, the child begins to be able to regulate and navigate on their own. And, and there's levels and dimensions to, to these capacities. And, and as a parent, a really good parent is in the moment listening and discerning what's needed here. Yeah. Not to make them feel better or me feel better necessarily, but like, are they able on their own to navigate this? Are they not? I'm not going to leave my two-year-old to play near the street where there's traffic going by. You know, like the idea, well, the child should know. They, they should <laughs> right. walk in front of a vehicle. Like that's insane. Yeah. Developmentally, they're not ready to do that on their own. And then so for us to bring that same, that, that's very obvious. But then there's lots of more delicate, subtle discerning that's required for us to know as a parent or a caregiver what's the right amount of support that this child or this person needs that over from the big picture enables their their potential and their evolution because intervention often becomes disabling yes if it's yes. too much right there's lots of research now about um you know kind of sanitizing the play environment for kids where they're not allowed to fight or get into conflict and, and there's lots of evidence that that delays their interpersonal development they don't learn how to do conflict because adults are always intervening so so there's lots of things that we can learn and some of it seems counterintuitive but again, if we're coming with a real sense of curiosity, love, and willingness to discover from a bigger perspective what's needed, we start to learn like real and true ways of, of being with and caring for one another. And I think you know a lot of um, parents today are wounded themselves. They haven't taken that journey yet of their own self-discovery. They're in they're in a role as a parent and become very sacrificing, you know, um, and very kind of 
servitude um, and uh, giving everything to their children, um, but not feeding themselves or, you know, um, bringing up the kids the same way they were brought up, even though they were unhappy the way they were brought up. So at some point, we have to wake up and realize, no, hang on, this doesn't sit right. And we really have to take the time, the money, the effort, the action to invest in ourselves uh, again, oxygenate, oxygenate yourself, right? Because without oxygen, how can you breathe life into anything else? Because the the fuller and more abundant you are in yourself, the more you can serve your family. So it's not being selfish. You know, we have to put this sacrificing type thing aside. There are compromises that we make, obviously, in a family, but we have to also take time for ourselves as parents to... Um, to place that value upon ourselves and do our own soul searching because again that becomes the inspiration and the invitation for the children down the road but for a lot of parents that's a hard thing for them to do yeah and 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 it, i think the the fear that a lot of parents and caregivers have is that in taking care of themselves they're being irresponsible yeah. they should care more they should be perfect um, they shouldn't need to take time away from their child you know, we, we, we evolved in the context of village and community. Mm-hmm. And for most human societies in modern times, that's mostly disappeared. Yes. We don't, we don't have village and community and network of relationships in the way that we did. And, and that is, I don't think we fully recognize the, the, um, the consequences of societies in which community and village doesn't exist. And, and, you know, parents are not meant to be all things to their child every moment of every day. And that's what we're placing on a lot of parents. It's, it's similar to the, the one in our intimate relationships, this idea mm-hmm. that this other is supposed to be all things to me all the time. In a way, it makes no sense, especially when you start to learn about how the human system functions, what it needs, and again, the, the kind of evolutionary context that it comes out of. But, but we're, we're in a disjointed reality in terms of how society is these days, and, and our job is to... to kind of change our loyalty there's a kind of loyalty to the status quo because it's allowed us to get to where we are even if where we are is not what we love in our system it's it's kept us alive Mm -hmm. and so on that level we're attached to it and there is distinct risk involved in stepping away from what the majority is doing and it's, it's required for us to do so for us to rediscover what that kind of village community really is and, and can look like and, and to begin cultivating it in, in our day-to-day lives. It's, you know, it's your friends. I mean, I was a, a, an immigrant to, to this country, Canada. I didn't have any family here when I was raising my children. Um, so I created family, you know, uh, going to groups, meeting people. Um, then it became, you know, a, a I would take somebody, my friend's kids for the weekend, giving me a break and vice versa. And they, these children became kind of their cousins naturally. And that's the thing. We built, we built our community where we supported one another. And uh, if you don't have family, if you don't have that extended around you, you have to create it in other ways, don't you? Yeah. And, and in that, all of our relational stuff comes up. Yeah. And, and that's why it, it's, it's not just a one plus one equals two. It's like, oh, you need community? Okay, create community. The, the reality of, of creating community involves vulnerability, mm-hmm. it involves being seen by others in the good and not the not so good, yes. it involves being hurt, it involves being let down, it involves making mistakes and, and making restitution for those mistakes. Like The implications of creating community in the context of a lack of community is so big and touches so many sensitive spots in us, and yet we are able, and, and it's, it's what's really being called for right now in the world. And it, it, it can happen in new and incredibly beautiful ways. And the road is not going to be easy or comfortable. It's just the way it, it's the way it is. But at the same time, once you've worked through that uncomfortability, it's also extremely beautiful. Um, you know, you can't have the beauty and, and the joy and the laughter and, and, you know, that immersion of love if you're not willing to go through the difficulty. But it doesn't mean going through the difficulty, it's always going to be difficult. Because you do get those moments of, you know, beautiful, etheric joy. Yeah, it's all, it's just the spectrum of humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're meant to have it all. But yeah. as soon as we create preference around that spectrum, then it's not able to move naturally. It's just like a natural uh, kind of, um, yeah, a natural ecosystem. 
it has a full spectrum of life all unfolding and doing its thing and and ecosystems are naturally finding their way into balance that not the natural world is built that way and and when an ecosystem has preference about what gets included and what doesn't and it's not about that underlying intelligence of life then the ecosystem falls out of balance and that's really what's happened for human beings mm-hmm. on the on the intrapersonal inside of each of us and on the interpersonal we've fallen out of balance because we've created preference that doesn't belong and and now the, the full spectrum isn't able to to fulfill itself and 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 provide kind of life and health and vitality for us mm-hmm. i mean life is an inside job isn't it you know we really <laughs> we really have to work from the inside out and you know everybody i interview has gone through a journey in life some people's lives have been you know their journeys have been horrific and you wonder how they're, they're still standing yet mm-hmm. you know through that pain and that that turmoil that trauma they have found their meaningful purpose and you know are now serving humanity with love and passion and understanding and i think that's one of the greatest gifts you know each one of them have said to me you know not that i wish a person dead or this loss or that loss but i look at my journey as a gift because who i am today what i'm doing today how i'm serving uh, humanity today is uh, the most meaningful that I ever could be. And so it's a very beautiful place to be when we're willing to take that journey and evolve and we, I think it's also a question of the one step at a time. Don't don't think it's going to be a downloadable app and that you've got it all in one weekend. It, you know, it is something that the self-discovery, you're going to be discovering things about yourself to the day you die because it's your reactions to life. But what you want to do is give people the tools and how to manage the things that come up in life, how to embrace them and not get sucked in to things that happen. Mm-hmm. So in your programming, you know, what uh, I've seen, again, a couple of your YouTubes here, where, you know, um, what is the kind of the process that you go through in kind of helping people kind of connect to self? Yeah, it really depends. You know, if I was doing a, a you know, an online video or maybe an evening where people were just kind of coming in the room and getting to dip their toe. It's a different thing. There, there is a thread that runs through everything, which is, this is it. This is our moment. There, there's no better moment. There's, there's no more meaningful moment out there somewhere. This moment is it. The whole of your life that's happened and the whole of your life that can happen all passes through the dimension of the present. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is, is important because if we're not clear, uh, then we will naturally misunderstand the use of things like a workshop or a course or a, a book of wisdom or a modality or a meditation. You know, if, if it's not clear that right here, right now, it's available, like life is available, then, then we'll try to use these things to get there. It's like using something to be what you are immediately has you not being what you are. Mm-hmm. So, so the first dimension is like right here, right now, this is it. This is about us showing up fully. And then from there, you know, with the, with the lighter, shorter things, it's just about giving people a taste and an opportunity to see things a little bit differently. Um, when we talk about more kind of meaningful tran- transformation, then it becomes about learning how do we come to this present moment in life, especially when things are, are triggered in a way that's integrative instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. And, and so some of those are, are you know, kind of meditative type practices, somatic relating type practices where we're tuning into sensations and experiences in the present. And the real value for me, the real value of any kind of meditative practice or, or presence-oriented practice is it's not the practice itself, it's that in giving our full attention to what is occurring in the present moment, what naturally occurs is we relax our tension and hold on story and identity. That's the real active ingredient that makes meditation so powerful. Is when we are meditative, when we are present and open, we are naturally released from a kind of unconscious implicit tension around what we are, where we're going, how we're going to figure it out. Like all the story and identity of life falls away. And it's that, just like I was speaking about the river flowing and knowing how to do that. 
when we're being that quality of presence and openness, our, our psychological, emotional, physical systems are all free to move as they're meant to. Yeah. And so then what we do is we bring that clarity about, about a quality of presence that's really at the heart of healing and, and, and growth, and then we bring it into context. And, and the best example of context for life is relational context. Mm-hmm. So then we bring in relational reality. So what's a conflict that recurs for you? What struggles do you have at work? What, what, what issues are you having with your partner? And we bring those to the fore, mostly because as we relate to those difficulties, the parts of our nervous system that are not integrated, that that's kind of are the, the, the breeding ground for those difficulties, get activated. <coughs> and, and like I was saying with pain, we're only going to integrate the aspects of our nervous system that are activated. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the, the, the work, whether I'm coaching one-to-one with someone, whether I'm doing a, a weekend retreat, whether I'm doing an ongoing multi-week group with people, the point is not to ch- try to find all the most painful things right. and bring them up. But life will do that. If, if we're living openly and, and responsively and really engaged, life will naturally afford us all of the necessary opportunities for us to integrate. But when we're in a session or a workshop or a retreat, we have, there's a finite amount of time. And so what we want to do is facilitate opportunities for some of those pieces to, to be activated in a way that enables integration, not just for the individual, because the way we're built in terms of how we attune and, and co-regulate together as, as human nervous systems, when someone else is activated and learns how to integrate what's activated in that trigger, I benefit as well. Something in me also integrates through yep. their integration. Like that's the beauty of, of human relationship and community. Is it comes with some difficulties, but what it enables in us is, is mostly untouched by us. Like there's so much opportunity for evolution and growth relationally that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet. We can't have successful relationships with anyone else until we have one with ourselves. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that relationship with self will be what will resonate. You know, they talk about uh, first impressions, first appearance. It's not your Armani suit. It's not, you know, your expensive briefcase. It's how authentic you are in yourself. And that's what will resonate with you. Um, I recently interviewed a beautiful young lady, um, burned victim from a plane crash, 65% burns over her body. And I was so proud to see her on America's Got Talent, you know, standing there where, of course, you initially do see the burns, most certainly. But the resonance of her love, of her life, you know, and then in her song, we don't see any of that. What we see is the strength, the courage, the love of life, the, the gratitude of living. And I think we need to kind of step into what is our signature, right? What is our passion and our love? And not get so caught up on the, the surface of things, which we're inclined to do. And we have no idea how strong and how courageous we are as human beings until we're tested. And uh, when we discover that strength and that courage um, and that beauty from within and we resonate it out, it really becomes a beacon of light that is just so inspiring. Mm. Yeah, I can't agree more. So we have to be willing to take the journey, you know, and, and the gift of the now is in the present. And I think a lot of people are constantly looking to tomorrow and they don't realize that this is the gift right now, today. And what you do today will also dictate your tomorrows. So stop taking care of tomorrow, live in the present, because this is the gift of the now. And what you do here today, what you seed here today, what you nurture here today will be what your tomorrows are. Um, and it's a totally different mindset to what people have been taught, isn't it? Yeah. Some people are completely unaware of the relationship between what they invest in the present and how life unfolds for them. Mm-hmm. And even if they do conceptually, they don't have a real lived sense of what, what that is and what the implications of that are. And, and that's why choices continue to be kind of uh, conditioning, replaying itself as opposed to real present responsiveness in the moment. I mean, the thing about choice is when you do step into that authenticity, your now, your, your resonance, choices aren't something you battle with anymore because they're so integrated into you in your conscious of of the vibration that you wish to live in, the, the frequency that you wish to live in and what you wish to resonate out that the choices become so obvious so that it's it, almost a no-brainer, right? Yeah, for me, what, what that's really shown up for uh, or shown up as is, 
if I ask myself questions I used to struggle with years ago, mm-hmm. those are so crystal clear to me, they're not questions. Right. But what naturally opens up as we clarify levels of being human is we discover deeper, subtler levels of being human, where the discernment, like wherever my, my perceptual uh, edge is around awareness and clarity, th- there is a threshold where I'm still reaching and listening and discovering, well, what is that? I don't, I don't know it yet, right? So it's like we just become more and more sensitive, more and more discerning, more and more subtle in our ability to find clarity in what wasn't clear before. And, and that's the evolutionary process of being human. We're never done. No. We're always, we're always at a new threshold where that new threshold is just like the one I had 10 years ago, but it's so much deeper and, and it's, its context is so much bigger and the value of that is so much more. And that's our gift. It's the gift that we received as being human and it's the gift we get to give as we continue to evolve. I also think it's it's an embracement of age. I mean, I recently had a wonderful 85-year-old on, you know, the pink lady who um, has constantly, you know, evolved and, and reinvented herself. And what she's doing now is, you know, veterans of the of the theater business created an entire theater for, for them to still perform. They've still got it. You know, their number may be up there. That's just the years that they've lived. But they're still so engaged in life. They've still got so much to give. And I think... You know, in the past, it is, we were put out to pasture. You know, retire now. You've done your thing. And now we're looking at, uh, we're coming into, a, stepping into a new phase of life. And so many people I interview, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, that uh, have reinvented themselves, have rediscovered themselves, and have stepped into something else. So it's not over until the day you exit. Yeah. I, I, I have a grandmother. She's my last grandparent. She's 102. Wow. And, and Fabulous. she is so lucid and, and active and mm-hmm. engaged. And when I asked her, like, what, what do you think that is? Like, what, what, what has you keep, keeping going, not just surviving, not just living, but like mm-hmm. really continuing to grow and learn? And, and what she said is, like, she's still interested in life. Yes. She still wants to discover what's, what's today going to bring. And without that, it's easy to see why someone would, would kind of fall into apathy and then the human system in, the, in, in a quality of apathy just begins to die away. Yes. It's the, it's the application of, of real interest in reaching and stretching and growing that vitalizes our system. So that's a beautiful, you know, it's, it's an anecdote, but it's, it's just so true when you look at life and how we, how we learn and grow. Right. I remember Betty White, um, who's... What, 94 now? Um, you know, people saying, what's your secret? And she says, because I choose to live in gratitude and a positive attitude. And and you can see that in her. I mean, you know, sharp as a wit, always this ray of light. And it, and again, it's, again, it's what we choose to feed, right? And, you know, so many people who retire, who don't have hobbies, who don't have anything else to explore, they're dead within a few months. Because it's yeah. the old adage, if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. So... Yeah. It's just an opportunity. This is why people, oh, I've just lost my job or I've just lost this. All that is is an end of a chapter and an opportunity to write another one. Your book isn't over yet. So, And even, even when we're like from the even bigger perspective, even when we pass, our book isn't over yet. No. Because <laughs> we, we have planted so many seeds that live on. And, mm-hmm. and in that way we realize life is not so personal as it feels. Life is not so personal as we might take it sometimes. And, and that's lovely when you really let that in because it, it takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no kind of place I need to get to to prove that my life was worth something. And it also puts us to the edge of each moment is my opportunity to really plant something that has value. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you've if you've planted the feed, you know uh, the field. Um, you may make a physical exit, but your resonance and your energy is still there, growing. Um, and uh, you know, it's only our bodies that pass. Our spirit and our energy still continues on. And uh, you know, we we people talk about legacy, leaving a legacy. And you know, I think the legacy that I certainly want to to leave would be that that I have contributed contributed, and that what I left was. Um, inquiry 
you know, exploration, uh, a belief that we can and that we are so much more. Um, that excitement of discovering where we are today, where we can be tomorrow, who we are. You know, it's we all want to know that we've contributed in life in something. But it's looking at our contribution, whether it be big or small, as being enough. Because that's the gift you were given and that's the purpose that you were here for. Don't measure it against anybody else's. Yeah, and if if we do that, the the funny irony is that as we come from a place of thinking that we're not enough or that our contribution won't be enough, we cut ourselves off from our fullness. Yeah. And then our we diminish our contribution by thinking that it needs to be something. Yes. And, and that's just a funny little, um, you know, I, life is full of ironies like that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, for me, it it just reminds me here now. I have an opportunity to some, to do and be something that that is of real value, and and when I'm gone, that particular opportunity is over. So while I'm here, I'm going to take advantage. Right, right, exactly. You know, I love the domino effect. You know, when you have an effect on someone's life uh, through that inspiration, through that invitation, they've now stepped into their own lives in that beautiful abundance and that resonates and dominoes out and ripples out in, into the lives of people around them. If we stop looking for the big bang and just look at each ripple as an accomplishment, each ripple has shifted the perspective, changed the energy, um, you know, raised the, the frequency, that's enough, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I, I had a, a coach when I was involved in sport when I was younger and uh, he would always say to us, when you take care of the little things, the big things take care mm-hmm. of themselves. And I just, it's just an obvious truth when you, when you look at life and yeah. how it really flows and works. Yes. Uh, you know, we love to overcomplicate things, don't we? We love manuals that, you know, that are like encyclopedias. And when it comes down to it, life is quite simple. Yes, we're complex, but if we look at ourselves simply, we understand that complexion and uh, know what to do with it. We've just got to be willing to take the journey. So you you do the um, the invitation of bringing people in and you do the speaking and everything else. What have you got going on right now that you're inviting people to come back and be a part of? Yeah, you know, right now we've actually kind of put pause on things. We we wrote a book a couple of years ago. And we're, we're in the process of rewriting that, sort of a second edition. So mm-hmm. that likely has a 2018 release date. Um, we have some new video content that will be coming out on our website over the next little while. Uh, people can find us at www.evolvenowinc.com. And um, I also have a YouTube channel under the same Evolve Now Inc. And um, I do quite a bit on social media. So if people are interested in reaching out and connecting with me on social media, uh, just Dolphin Casper, K-A-S-P-E-R. Um, I share quite a bit of my writing and, and just my own journey, my own kind of movement and realizations. I share uh, quite a bit on there, so people can reach out that way as well. well that's how I found you on LinkedIn. Um, mm. And, you know, that's the thing about it, I think, in life, is that if you are in discovery of self, go and listen to other people on how they discovered themselves. You know, get interactive on social media. It's not just a question of posting you know, what you ate today or bashing somebody. It's about mm-hmm. getting conversational on the social medias and opening up a dialogue and learning and then connecting. This is the tool that we have today. It's a beautiful network that can, com- you know, that can connect us from anywhere in the world. So when we're, when we're intrigued about something, inquire, question or comment, invite a conversation. That's really important, isn't it? It is, and, and it just goes back to how so many of these digital environments and people have lots of opinions about it and um, you know uh, this is uh, that would be a whole other interview I think if we want to talk uh, in depth about it but what I recognize is that these environments they're they're spaces that enable communication and connection that weren't possible before right and they are populated by what we populate them with exactly in spite of however they're constructed and that's again a different conversation we get to choose how we engage, when we engage, and how we populate those environments. And, and that has a lot to do with, with the, the fruit that those uh, digital environments bear. Right. Everything can have a good or bad side. It's just question again what you choose to feed, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't want the bad side, don't feed it. If you want the good side, get your message out there because, yes, it's a wonderful medium. I would love mm-hmm. to have you and your mum back next year when your book comes out. 
Totally. Yeah, let's stay in touch. I would love to have another conversation uh, when, the, when the rhythm and flow feels right. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sitting down with me today. It's been lovely. Oh, wonderful. And, you know, thank you for all the work that you're doing and especially doing it with mum because it just makes it even more special. So that site again is Evolve. Um, Inc.com and Evolve Now. Uh, Inc. Uh, sorry, Evolve. Evolve. So the, yeah, the company name is Evolve Now. So the website is EvolveNowInc.com. So there's 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 a blog. There's some video content that comes out regularly, um, and sometimes when we have events, uh, they'll they'll get posted there. People can obviously sign up to be a part of our community, and uh, the, the YouTube channel Evolve Now Inc. Dot, uh, sorry, just Evolve Now Inc. And uh, my name D O L P H I N Dolphin Casper uh, K A S P E R on Facebook is mostly where I'm posting. Um, people can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, I- Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It is much needed. You're very inspirational. Um, I do follow you on Facebook and and on LinkedIn. That's obviously where I did find you. And uh, again, folks, you know, read, listen. A lot of these wonderful YouTubes that you've put out are very thought-provoking and very, um, very inviting. And uh, I invite people to reach out to you and, and be a part of it. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thanks for uh, having me. And uh, folks, it's all up to us. The journey is up to us. People are here to help us on our way, help us unravel ourselves, help us in our self-discovery. So reach out because you're not alone. You don't need to do it alone. And uh, when you do step into that, you really actually discover things about yourself that you never knew and that you're truly awesome. So bye for now. Until next time.